Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Hello and welcome Hello and welcome to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. This is your host, yours truly, bringing you another episode, specifically bringing you episode 42. And as like we do with all our shows, if you want my show notes, please head over to drpierresblog.com forward slash LLP042. Like always, if you want today's show notes, head over to drpierresblog.com forward slash LLP042. Today's episode is a hospital-focused one. Um, For those who, you know, unless you've been under a rock, you know I now work hospital medicine and take care of patients only inside the hospital uh, versus what I used to do when I first started uh, the Lunch and Learn video series and take care of patients on an outpatient basis. So today I'm going to be bringing you more hospital-focused one. And it was one that was motivated uh, from a few chance encounters I've had in the past couple weeks with family members. Uh, Some experiences were good. Some experiences were, let's say, not so good. And, you know, that's okay. Uh, Because, again, you learn from the good ones. just like you learn from the bad ones. So I wanted to kind of give some tips for the family members of patients who are in the hospital and how you can help. You know, you're a family member, you're a grandma, you're a grandpa, you're an uncle, you're a mom, dad, son, daughter. You know, help them get through, you know, a tough time uh, as well. Because, of course, if you think it's tough for you, you know, as the family member, just imagine being the patient who has to be in the hospital. So let's get ready for another great episode where I hope to give some tips. So the next time one of your family members is in the hospital... You know, you won't be going crazy and pulling your hair out, you know, and harassing staff and, you know, getting uh, the doctors mad at you as well. Um, Let me know what you think about today's episode. Like always, I love the comments. I absolutely love the feedback. And, you know, this podcast is user driven, right? You know, we I want to be able to talk about what you want to hear. So let me know what you think about today's episode. Uh, Leave it on the comments on either my Facebook page, which again is Lunch Learn Pod, or you can go to the comments on the show notes at drpierresblog.com forward slash LLP042. Alrighty, and we are here for another week, another episode of the Lunch Learn, and this is a topic that I felt like I had to get off my chest. Reason why I had to get off my chest? Because in the past few weeks, I'm not sure what it is, I've had some absolutely amazing encounters with family members dealing with, you know, taking care of their uh, loved ones in a hospital. But I've also had some very bad experiences taking care of patients in the hospital. And the problem is the bad encounters doesn't have anything to do with the patient. It has to do with their loved ones, right? It has to deal uh, with the people taking care of them, responsible for them. And, you know, a quick side note, one of the reasons why I didn't go into family medicine or even pediatrics 
is because I did not want to have to deal with the parents, right? I did not want to have to deal with those caretakers who can sometimes be a little overbearing. And as I move into the hospital setting, I've realized very quickly like that's something that I'm still seeing and it's something that's still present. So I wanted to kind of put this out there almost as a, you know, a quick crash course on what to do when your loved ones is in the hospital. That way, you know, you don't upset the staff, you don't upset the physicians, and last but not least, you don't upset the patient, right? Because at the end of the day, the goal is to get that patient out of the hospital, right? I tell this all the time for my patients, um, and I tell my residents, I tell my medical students, the number one goal for a patient who walks into your hospital is to make sure they walk out. Because it's not guaranteed, right? Like, And I think that's something that we really have to be very mindful of, right? It is not guaranteed that a patient will walk out the hospital regardless of how they came in, right? And I'll just want to, uh, you know, go back to residency, right? This is, again, not too long ago. I remember this case. The reason I remember this case because it was one of those times where I thought, oh, wow, this person probably should not have been admitted. And lo and behold, they got admitted to the hospital and problems happened, right? So I had this guy, patient, who had been complaining of constipation, right? Constipation. He hadn't been able to go to the bathroom for about a week and it started causing some abdominal pain, right? And when I first saw the patient in the ER, I felt like, you know, this guy's coming in for constipation. Like, why Why do I have to put him in a hospital, right? Like, you know, I'm thinking about my tax dollars, right? Like, why do I have to spend the tax dollars to, you know, admit a patient to the hospital just to help him get a bowel movement, right? I didn't think that was necessary. But, you know, we end up admitting him because the pain was so unbearable that he, you know, couldn't go nowhere, couldn't leave uh, the ER. So he got into the hospital. And, of course, the one patient where you're thinking nothing's going to happen with them. And usually during sign out, you, you have a list of patients you're taking care of. And you say, hey, watch this patient. No need to watch this patient. Nothing going to happen. Of course, this patient was one of the ones where we said nothing was going to happen, right? And, of course, by the time I walked into the hospital that next morning, the patient was gone. And the story and the history of what occurred was such a, a telling event for me. Because, again, this was a patient. I was, I think I was an intern or second year. This was a patient where I thought really nothing was going to happen. I didn't think they needed to be in the hospital anyways. And now they're not going to be able to walk out, right? They passed, right? This patient passed away. And his admit, admitting diagnosis was constipation, right? And I, I say that, right? I segue that to say that it is not guaranteed that you're going to walk out that hospital. So the goal is to make sure we try to put the best effort to get that patient out of there, right? And a lot of times this can be helped or hindered by the loved ones, right? Because the loved ones, they mean well. I know they mean well. I hope they mean well. They come in and depending on the way they present to the hospital, the way they present, you know, that first impression can, you know, spell, uh, you know, doom, you know, figuratively, hopefully uh, for the patient. Right. So I just wanted to talk about some things that you can do if your loved one ends up in a hospital tomorrow, you know, to not only help you out, but help the doctors out, help everybody taking care of your loved one. First and foremost, right, I need you to find out why your family member is in the hospital, right? Like, that should be one of the first things uh, you do, right? Because a lot of times I'll have family members come to the hospital and they have absolutely no clue 
why their, you know, their grandma, their grandpa, their uncle, their mom, they have no clue why that person is sitting in the hospital bed, right? And a lot of times they're waiting for someone to give them direction. And when I say someone, it's usually the doctor, right? And we're, we're going to talk about, you know, who you see majority of the time when you're in a hospital. So if you're going to make friends with anybody, it should be like that group of people, right? So you're in the hospital, your, your family member's in the hospital, and the first thing you want to do when you get there is find out why are they in the hospital, right? Like what is happening that's going to make them, you know, uh, that made them have to actually come to the hospital, right? What were the chain of events? Because it's just as important for you to know why they're in the hospital than for the patient, right? Because sometimes, let's face it, right? Sometimes a patient, you know, they're sick, they're out of it, you know, they're not really, they don't really got their head in the game, right? So sometimes they actually don't have a clue why they're even in the hospital, right? Like they walking around, and well, usually not walking, but they're in bed and someone asks them, hey, I'm in the hospital and they say, for what? They don't know. And again, this isn't an, this isn't a hospital thing. I've had patients where I used to take care of on an outpatient basis. And after talking to them for about 10, 15 minutes, I ask them, do you understand what I just said? And they say, no. Right. So it's not uncommon for a patient to be unaware of what's going on with their situation. Right. So find out, you know, and find out from the nursing staff, find out if you, you happen to catch the doctor, find out from the doctor, you know, why is this? Why is so and so in the hospital? Right. Like, because that will help you go a long way. That'll help you go a long way from explaining and, you know, giving you expectations on when a person can go home. And and will that kind of segue right to my next step. Right. If you have a big family, please designate one point of contact, right? Like, please designate one person that all of that questions and concerns go to that one person, right? Because I've had instances, and it happens all the time, so, you know, it's not a rare occurrence, where I'm taking care of a patient, and they have a big family, and I may see the patient in the morning, and I see family members in the morning, and I may stop by in the afternoon. I still see different I see different family members in the afternoon. And sometimes right before I go, if I have to see a patient, you know, depending on there's one of those patients I'm keeping a close eye on, there's a, a, a different set of family members. And what tends to happen is that you have to end up explaining the same issues over and over and over again, right? And that's not something we want to do, especially as, you know, a, a health provider, uh, you know, especially because, again, a lot of it can get lost in translation. You know, I tell, you know, family member A one thing and I may tell family member B the same thing, but they hear, you know, different outcomes. They hear different results. They kind of kind of run through their mind what's going on. So always, especially if you have a big family member or you have some family member who has some, you know, working knowledge of like health and health terms, please designate that person to be the point of contact because you want to be able to go through, you know, somebody, right, especially as me as a physician. You know, that's always one of the toughest things where if I have to update a patient on, you know, their family's, you know, condition, I need to be, I don't, sometimes I don't know who to update because every time I go in there is a different person in the room. So please, please designate one person to be your point of contact just to make sure everyone's on the same page as far as your family is concerned. Next step, right? Please make sure you have all of the info on your patient, your loved one, I say your patient, but please make sure you have all the info on your loved one's physicians. And whether that be their primary care physician, their heart doctor, their stomach doctor, their old surgeon, please have all that information because it goes a long way. 
And it's very important, especially when I'm taking care of patients in a hospital, to find out, hey, who's your primary care doctor? Like, who do you see on a regular basis, right? Because that tells me things, right? Like, if you say, I don't have a primary care doctor, that already tells me you don't really go see the doctor anyway. So a lot of these medical problems that I'm popping up that are saying are new are probably aren't new. You just never went to someone to go find out. And, you know, you do have some physicians, especially primary care physicians, that, you know, they like to know what's going on with the patients, right? So if I know that, you know, you're a patient of Dr. So-and-so, I may send Dr. So-and-so a phone call, a fax, something to give some kind of idea, you know, why their patient is in the hospital, right? Because that goes a long way. So please try to make sure, you know, you have all of your point of contacts in regards to your patient uh, and sorry, in regards to your loved one's health care, right? Uh, and that's important, right? Because, and you know what? It also tells me, right, if you come in there and you have no clue who your family member sees as, as a, on an outpatient basis, you have no clue who's their heart doctor, who's their stomach doctor, who's their surgeon, who is their, you know, regular medical doctor. If you have no clue of that information, that already tells me that, you know what, you probably didn't keep up you know, very well with that patient, especially in regards to their health. And that's not at the ordinary. Some people are very guarded. I've talked about it on a previous podcast. My father, my father had high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I was in medical school. I knew I was going to be, he knew I was going to be a physician in like, I think it was three years. And he never told me any of that, right? So it's not uncommon for family members to kind of keep their health issues to themselves, right? So that's why I press on you to make sure, you know, you're very diligent, especially in your older, you know, grandparents, your parents, your siblings, and, you know, people you need to kind of take after, right? Always be aware of that information because it can go extremely long way. Number three, I guess. I think we're on number three uh, or four. Uh, bring medications from home right because a lot of times your family members don't really remember all of the medications that they're taking right so if you ever have a chance to bring some medications from home bring the medications at home right that way we know that we have you on the right medication that way we know you have on the right dosages so it's very important to bring your family members medication to the hospital with you at least that way especially if not on during the hospital stay, but at least to the ER. That way we have a good, accurate representation of your medications moving forward. That's like, I can't really like stress that enough. Um, the fifth, I guess this is number five, you know, collect some cards, right? And when I say collect some cards, depending on what happened to your family member, they may end up seeing one physician, two physicians, for physicians, it is not uncommon for your for a patient to be seeing multiple physicians. So it is always important, to, especially if you're in a room, to ask that doctor, "Hey, can I get a business card? Can I get some way to identify who is seeing you know my loved one?" Because sometimes it's not the same person every day, right? It's sometimes it's you know Doctor A has saw you know, the patient in the morning, but the next morning, Dr. B comes in. So if you're not aware and you're not lockstep and key uh, with that knowledge, with that fact, you know, you'll always wonder who, you know, came to see me. And I've had patients that I've been seeing for like weeks and they didn't realize like I was a physician. So when one of the nurses asked, you know, how did you feel about the doctor? You know, that patient actually said they never saw the doctor the whole time they were there. 
And, you know, so that's what happened, right? You know, so that's why you have to collect the cards, right? That's why you have to give your patient your cards so they can have some type of, you know, visual, you know, reminder that, hey, I was in uh, the room with you, right? So that's always, always, always important, right? And that's uh, so at least, and this is just more of a side caveat. One of the, our natural, like one of our natural, you know, things to do is eat, right? And enjoy food, right? But if you have a patient, if you have a loved one who is going in for some type of surgery, you have a loved one who's just ill and sick, please don't bother the doctor or the nursing asking like when their family members can eat, right? Because I'm, I can guarantee you that you're more concerned about food than they are, right? And it, it looks unnatural, right? Like you have someone who eats every single day and all of a sudden they're not eating anything whatsoever, you're concerned, right? You're going to get concerned because you think something is going to be, become even worse if they don't give them some food. And that could be further from the truth, right? I've had patients, especially, you know, patients who've been dealing with like upset stomach, reflux, acid disease, uh, colitis, which is inflammation of the colon, which is, you know, if you know, if you're familiar with the colon, that's where, you know, stool is made, right? That's where we absorb water and, you know, we just pass stool after we're done absorbing all of its nutrients, I've had patients come in uh, with various, uh, you know, abdominal issues, about to have surgery, and they can't eat any food, but the family member is going crazy, like, hey, this person has eaten in two days, please, what are you going to do, what are you going to do? So, remember, 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 your loved ones, when they are sick, your body does not consume that much energy, so what tends to happen is you don't need that much food, right? So, please, 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 try not to sneak any food for your loved ones. Especially if the doctor says don't eat it. Okay, and this is a big one, right? This is one of the uh, tenets that I feel like if you could only choose one, like choose choose this one, right? I want you to kind of be there with your loved one, right? And like you would think like that's self-explanatory, right? But I've taken care of a lot of patients where, and I'm, and man, I'm not saying for like a day or so. I've been taking care of a lot of patients who I've been following for days, almost a week, and never see a family member, never hear from a family member. No one ever calls to say, hey, how is grandma doing? How is grandpa doing? How is daddy doing? Like, I've been in, you know, situations where I've been taking care of patients and I never see the family member. And sometimes I'll, like, I'll ask the family, I'll say, hey, you know, I haven't seen anybody. And, you know, they'll let me know, hey, you know, so-and-so is up north in New York. And, you know, that's that's about it. They're not coming down, right? Uh, and you know some and that may sound weird to others, but it is much more common than you would actually think, and I would even like to admit. So be there for your loved ones. And again, you may not necessarily have to be physically there for someone, but it's okay if you know you pick up the phone and say, "Hey, can you have Doctor Pierre call me and and update my mom, or update me on my mom's condition, right? Uh, can you have you know Doctor Pierre call me, update me on my son's condition, right? That's okay, right? We want to know that the family member is just as invested in getting their family healthy and back home and out the hospital as much as you are, right? Because that's that's our big thing, right? Get you healthy, get you back home, right? That's 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 the that's the new model for the the hospital, because it, it it's important, especially if you can be there, because a lot of times. There is, you know, one, two, four doctors, you know, running back and forth in a patient's room. And sometimes there's different nursing staffs and different, you know, nursing and nurse and uh, assistants. So 
please, please, please be very mindful uh, when we when you have a loved one in the hospital. Just be there for them. Again, and not just be there when they're in emergency room. Be there when they leave the emergency room to go to their regular floor and they're spending time on the regular floor uh, for a few days. This is one where I think it's, you know, shout out to my nurses when I start this. You have to understand, just from a numbers game, you are not going to be spending all day with your loved one's doctor, right? It just doesn't happen, especially the ones who do outpatient medicine. You know, they may have 25 to 30 other patients they have to take care of, right? So they're not going to have the time to sit here and, you know, talk with you for 30 minutes to an hour. That's just not going to happen. And that's why it's important to befriend your nurses, right? Why? Because the nurse that you have, you know, in the morning shift is going to be the same nurse you have until they change shifts, right? So that nurse is going to spend much more time with you on an average basis compared to what a regular physician from a time standpoint is going to spend with you, right? So always be mindful, you know, take care of your nurses, befriend your nurses, don't yell at the nurses, don't hit your nurses, right? And again, I have to include a hit because one of my patients uh, a while ago actually hit one of the nurses, right? Because they were so mad and agitated because they weren't getting their way. So please, please, please be careful, uh, you know, how you treat the nurses because they can make your loved ones day much longer than it needs to be. So, and that's why, you know, we kind of ended with, you know, be nice and be respectful, right? Because again, when we talk about patients who are sick, the patient is allowed to not be themselves, right? Like in, and I believe we talked about this on previous episodes where I say, as a patient, you are allowed to be sick, right? And once you're allowed to be sick, you're allowed to act a little funny, right? You're allowed to not act yourself. Guess who is not allowed to that leeway, right? The family member, right? Like, your patient, your, and I, I keep saying your patient, but your loved one is the one who's sick, right? Not you, right? So you're not allowed to be, you know, an a-hole to the, the nursing staff. You're not allowed to be an a-hole, you know, to the doctors. You're not allowed to be an a-hole to the physical therapist, the respiratory therapist, the nurse, anesthetist, uh, the dietitians. You're not allowed to be an a-hole to all of those people, right? Just because your family member is sick, right? It does not work that way, right? Like, it don't work that way, you know, when you're, when your mom's sick, your mom's allowed to, you know, not be yourself. But if your mom's sick, you're not allowed to be yourself, right? Because, again, if you start off and you, you bring, like, uh, a, a tenuous, you know, uh, behavior and, you know, a tenuous atmosphere, you know, while, you know, people are trying to take care of your loved ones, you know, that could have an adverse effect, right? So, Again, we just want to kind of recap on all the things that I want you to kind of do the next time one of your loved ones is in a hospital. That way, everyone can have a smooth transition during the hospital stay. Number one, I want you to kind of find out why they're in the hospital. Please, please, please find out why they're in the hospital. Extremely important. Number two, designate one person as a point of contact. Maybe two. Maybe you take shifts morning versus evening shift. But designate a point of contact so the doctor, so the, the nurses don't have to explain the same story, you know, 10 times over again because of uh, your big family. Number three, make sure you get all of the info on the doctors that do come to see, you know, your loved ones because 
you'll be seeing a lot of them and sometimes you'll forget a name and you'll forget who came to see who so it's always important if you can to you know collect those cards and have that uh, I'm sorry it's always important to you know have all of the info uh, on the doctors uh, when they walk in right um, and that's really like number four uh, make sure that you know all of your loved ones doctors as well right because again if you don't know your loved ones doctors how can I reach out and say hey so-and-so is in the hospital and I just wanted to kind of let you know right so and collect cards please please collect some cards you know it's it's very important because again that's going to help you remember their names of all the people who come to see you remember that your loved ones don't have to eat that was just a side note but I just wanted to throw it out there because that's something I get almost all the time uh, Remember, and most importantly, be there with uh, your family member as much as possible, whether it be physically, uh, whether you're just calling their room number. Let them know that they're loved and, you know, people are rooting for them, even though they may not physically be there. Because, you know, sadness you know happens when you take care of a patient and it's day five and you still haven't seen a family member come to see them. Understand that you are interacting with the nursing staff, right? So again, remember your nursing staff is going to be there much longer than the doctors will. And I can tell you, I spend a lot of time with my patients, and I'm still not going to spend as much time compared to the nursing staff, right? So always be nice to the nurses, right? And they will make uh, your your loved one's life uh, a joy to remember. Uh, be nice and respectful, again. The patient is allowed to be a little rude, be a little, you know, antsy, but you, the family member, are not. So remember to be nice, to be respectful uh, for anyone, right? Because that's, and that's it, right? So again, thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope this message is a lifesaver for you. I hope it helps you cope a lot easier the next time your family member is in the hospital. Because again, remember Dr. Barry's, Pierre's constipation story, right? You are not guaranteed to leave that hospital, right? You are just not, right? So if you can stay with some loved ones, get some loved ones on board uh, because that's where it's at. That's where, you know, the healing begins, right? Mentally and physically in that regards. Thank you for all that you do and all of you guys' support. See you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I want to say thanks again for all that you guys do and all your support and all of your listens. So I want you to kind of keep on keeping on with going ahead and sharing today's episode. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast if you're not already subscribed to the podcast. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at the same name, Lunch Learn Pod. And uh, go to the website again, lunchlearnpod.com for all of the episodes if you've missed one. And again, I'm at all of the favorite podcast apps, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and of course, Apple Podcasts, where I would love a five-star review. And, And tell me what you think about today's episode. I would love to hear it. So I'll see you guys next week. Bye.